Hi, this is Erin Olson of Sandal Feet Ministries. Thank you so much for stopping by my podcast today. If you'd like more information about my ministry, please visit www.sandalfeet.org. Thank you again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Erin Olson. Thank you so much for joining me for week 10 of my Bible study, Forgiveness, Unforgiveness, Revealed Through Your Fruits. And sadly, this is our last week together in this study. Um, Ten weeks. Wow, it's went by so quickly. Um, and I just hope that this study is, is speaking to some of you, that it is repairing relationships, restoring relationships, helping you examine yourself and helping you examine how you see others um, and helping you with your relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me go ahead and open us up in prayer for one final time. Dear Father, thank you so much, Lord, that we can come together this last week of this study. Father, I pray that if there is anything left undone, that it would be resolved during this period. Lord, I thank you for the ability to write this study. I thank you for the words that the Holy Spirit has given me, either when I wrote or when I teach or when I speak, such as in this podcast. Father, thank you for your help, but for your spirit, I would not be able to do it. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us during this time, Lord, that you would open our hearts, our ears, and our eyes to all things Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this is week 10 already, our final week together. And so the last fruit of the Spirit attribute is self-control. Now, I think self-control is an ironic word, actually, because... um, Really, can we control ourselves? I can't make my heart pump. I can't make my arm move. It's actually my heart that pumps the blood that gets to my brain that allows the neurons to work so my arm can move. And I think that I have control over it. I think by extending my right arm and bending my right arm, I am the one in control. But that's not the case. There's a helper. And the Holy Spirit is our helper. As believers in Christ, we need spirit control um, more than self-control. So I always like to say that my self-control really is, is not of me, but it is of the spirit living within myself because he's given me that gift. And I use that word self-control around my house a lot. I have young kids and, um, and when they act a little, you know, crazy and, and, you know, wheels off kind of a thing, I say, you know what, you have the decision in this moment to be self-controlled. You can resist the temptation to jump on the furniture. You can resist the temptation to um, run around the kitchen when I'm trying to make dinner. Those are things that we have control over. But there is somebody greater than ourselves who gives us the desire to want to do right things, to make right choices, to live rightly. And so that's where that spirit of self-control, that fruit of self-control comes from. As believers in Christ, it comes from the ability to to want to please God above all else, from a life that is led by a person who fears God above all else, and not as a fearful dictator, but as a loving father. And so when we, um, Toby Mac, he said this uh, quote one time, he said, don't do something permanently stupid because you are temporarily upset. And I think that so greatly refers to self-control and rashness as it relates to forgiveness. Just because somebody says something offensive to you at that moment, when you're standing there having a conversation, 
you have the control to say whether or not you're going to respond to them. How are you going to respond? How are you going to take that in? Are you going to hold a grudge against that person? Are you going to lash out and say something uglier back, perhaps? Don't do something permanently stupid. Once those words are spoken, sent forth, they cannot be taken back. No matter if forgiveness is extended or not, those words still now have lasting effect. So don't do something permanently stupid because you're temporarily upset. How do we gain control then over ourselves? Um, how, do we, how do we yield more to the Spirit and less to ourselves when we fully give ourselves to Christ, allow the Holy Spirit to indwell in us? And, and what does that look like when we're trying to forgive others? Um, I think the biggest question is we get stuck in the I have to forgive mode instead of the I am going to forgive mode. It's a choice, self-control, free will, all kind of wrapped into one. Do we have to forgive? Do, or so are we saying that I have to forgive because the Bible is telling me to forgive others as we forgive, as, forgive us as we forgive those who've offensed us? So what does that look like? I mean, how, how do we say I have to forgive? Why do, why do we live with a have-to heart? We should say I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive because my father forgave me. Not that I have to forgive because my father forgave me. Because if you're a saved believer, you're already on your way to heaven. You've already given your life to Christ. You've already had your name recorded in the book of life. So you don't have to do anything anymore. Salvation is a free gift from God um, that you accept by faith. You don't have to do anything else as a condition of that, as a condition of your salvation. So how can you be a believer who moves from the I have to forgive mode to the I am going to forgive mode? What is overflowing from your heart? Who is controlling your heart? What is controlling your heart? And I would hope that you would say that the Spirit is controlling your heart because the Spirit is the one who wants to say, I'm going to instead of I have to. The Spirit is deity. He is in control. He is God, the Father, Christ, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. So he does the Father's will as well. So we should desire to do the Father's will, not out of a griping heart, but as a loving heart in response to the grace, the forgiveness that God has extended to us, to each one of us as a believer in Christ. And so what is it, what, what does self-control mean? Self-control in, in the Greek means dominion within, proceeding out from within oneself, but not by oneself. So for the believer, self-control can only be accomplished by the power of the Lord. Okay? I love all the more that the biblical de definition of self-control says we cannot do it alone. And it's the final fruit of the Spirit listed. We need the Holy Spirit in all aspects of our lives. Jerry Bridges said, Self-control is the exercise of inner strength under the direction of sound judgment that enables us to do, think, and say the things that are pleasing to God. It is all about the Holy Spirit residing within us. We have to yield to that Spirit, get out of the way, and allow Him to do the work in us. The Hebrew word for rashness is bata, and it means to speak angrily or thoughtlessly. In Proverbs 12, 18, 
illustrates the difference between rash words and good words. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, it says, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So the difference between self-controlled speech, that kind of speech, wise speech, a spiritual gift is wisdom from the Holy Spirit, that brings healing. That's like a soothing balm to the soul. However, the one whose rash words, rash, the opposite of controlled, given over, if you will, to the enemy. The enemy likes to speak harsh, degrading, shameful words to our souls. Those are like sword thrusts, it says, jabbing a person, wounding them deeper and deeper. You can imagine a sword thrust doesn't necessarily kill you on impact depending on where you're hit. You can be healed from the outside, but still have a scar. You can slowly bleed out and die over time. Um, or you can be killed instantly. But those sword thrusts, the difference between a sword thrust, someone causing physical harm to you, emotional harm to you, spiritual harm to you, as opposed to a person who has self-controlled words, who is bringing healing. And Jesus brings healing to us. He brings healing to our separation from God because of the bridge that he drew between our death and our life. So what is it that you do when somebody does something to you? How do you react when somebody violates you, says an unkind word to you, betrays your trust, steals from you, hurts a loved one, a child, a family member, a friend? What's usually your first response when something like that happens? Think about that for a minute. How do you, how do you respond? As a person who is self-controlled, do you allow yourself a cooling off period? Maybe you take it to the Lord in prayer before you respond to that person. What do you think you do? How does that work? I think in the Bible, in Matthew 18, when we're presented with the parable of the unforgiving debtor, it is a, a great example of how somebody acted in self-control, in a self-controlled manner, in a forgiving manner, and then the response of the forgiven to act then in a rash manner. So we see there in Matthew 18, starting in verse 21, this is when Peter is asking Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was, master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. I'm going to stop right here for a minute because this picture right here, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. This man knew he was a debtor. He knew he 
had something that needed to be paid back. And he fell at the feet and begged for mercy. And that's the same thing we as believers, we need to do. We need to make that decision one day to say, you know what, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm falling at your feet. I'm humbling myself to saying, Lord, I can't. I can't do this. I know that I, I owe a debt that I can never pay. But help me. And Jesus responds in a very similar way that this master does. In verse 27, he said, it says, Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He has pity on the sinner. As he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He has pity on us. He has pity on the sinners. But in that pity, he took our debt that we could never, ever pay upon himself, and he erased our debt. So similar to this, to this example. And then in verse 28, it goes on to say, But when the man left the king, the man who had been forgiven, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. What I like about this, since I'm dealing with a, a Bible study that talks about the fruit of the Spirit and then the counterfeit of what like Satan likes to do, we see in verses 26 through 27, we see a, a parallel between what Jesus does for us and then in verses um, 28 to 30, we see Satan in this picture. We see exactly what Satan likes to do. He likes to do the complete opposite of what God does for us. So as I mentioned before, that anytime you see something that is opposite the fruit of the Spirit, opposite to what God says in his word, there's a source of that, and it is usually straight from the devil himself. So this man... He had been forgiven. His debt had been completely wiped away. It says that this master released him fully from his debt. Released him fully. He didn't even give him what he asked for. This man had originally asked him, be patient with me and I will pay it all. But the master had was filled with pity and he said, no, 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 I, I forgive it all. You don't owe me back a cent. So this man went to another servant and, and asked for his money. But this man didn't need that money to go back and pay his debt. He wanted that money for himself. And so we have to recognize that sometimes when we're on a spiritual high, Satan is going to try to swoop in and ruin our witness. And that's exactly what this guy did. What happened to this guy? This guy had something huge happen for him. His whole debt, he owed this guy millions of dollars, and his debt was completely wiped free. And then, just a few minutes later, he goes and demands something from somebody else that he didn't even need. He could have went and forgiven that person also. He could have paid it forward. And instead, Satan won in that moment. So he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, I don't know how you can be in prison and pay a debt in full. So I would assume that... Um, I don't even know how he would make a living, how he would earn that money. Um, but he allowed it, he made it so he couldn't even work to pay back his debt. Threw him in prison till the debt could be paid in full. So when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king, the king who had originally forgiven the first man's debt, and told him everything that had happened. 
Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then in verse 35, Jesus has a very strong warning. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to give your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, this king, interestingly enough, had originally forgiven the debt. Right? He said, you had been forgiven. And then the, the man, after he had been forgiven of his debt, went to another man who owed him money and demanded it and threw him in prison. And then some people heard about it and they went and told the king and the king got upset and he called that man back in and he said, called him evil and said, reminded him, I forgave you and you should have done the same thing. And then this man, this angry king became very mad and threw the man in prison to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. Right? So basically, he could never be, he could never repay that debt. That torment, that torture was going to be a permanent debt. And so we need to forgive. We need to act not rashly. This first king, this first, the king in the example here, he acted in a controlled manner. He was doing what sometimes they did. They went through their their ledgers, just like we do, you know, in our in our companies and our in our lives, whatever it might be. At a point, we might go through our ledgers and and look to see who owes us who owes us um, a debt, and then we may go to them. And this king originally acted in a very self controlled manner. He had compassion. He had empathy for this guy, and he forgave his debt. And in just a few minutes, this guy turned around and forgot about his forgiveness, and he went after somebody else. And let us not be like that person. Let us always remember that we are a forgiven, forgiven sinner. That we cannot go out and hold things over people. We need to accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers us once we surrender our lives to him. We need to accept forgiveness as somebody is offering it to us. And we need to extend forgiveness to those we have offended. We have to live in a perpetual state of forgiveness because we are living in a perpetual state of forgiveness. Jesus said here in this last final verse in 35, he said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I mean, this is that you're going to be tortured permanently until your debt is paid entirely. Well, you can't be paid. You can't, your debt can't be paid entirely if you're in prison. And prison and torture is a metaphor for hell. And... We don't want that to happen. We do not ever want to be somebody who holds that, who lords that over them permanently um, so as something cannot be paid back. Because if, if somebody is forgiven of their sin, they're forgiven of their sin. We can't hold that against them. We need to act in a self-controlled manner as witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember that. So as we finish out this Bible study and this week, way back in week one, I had, I had the people who have this workbook, I had, I had everybody write a description about how you feel about a particular fruit in your life. 
And so we wrote the attributes down, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then I had you write uh, a description of that. You know, maybe it needs improvement. It's non-existent. I'm struggling with patience. I'm, I'm needing peace. I'm forgetting God's faithfulness. I'm not as gentle as I'd like to be. I'm not making spirit-controlled choices. Um, I'm not loving. I'm not forgiving others. I'm sad because of some un- the, some offenses against me, so I'm not living in joy. Whatever it might be, you can even say love. I'm, I'm having no problem loving people. Um, you know, my patience, it could use a little bit of improvement, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Faithfulness. I love God's faithfulness. You know, honestly, I mean, not everybody here is taking this study because they are struggling with an issue of forgiveness. Perhaps you're taking the study because you want to make sure that you continually walk in a state of forgiveness and you don't want to step on those landmines. And I hope there are some of you out there. There's nothing like being um, spiritually aware of the things of the enemy um, to always be a step ahead, if you will. Fear, for instance, only lives in the enemy of surprise. If we know that we're fearful of something, we're going to know when Satan tries to present it to us and know that um, that he could win if we allow that to work. So if I know I'm afraid of the dark and Satan tries to use my fear of the dark um, against me to win me, if you will, to be able to control me, I'm going to know that that's from him. So I hope that some of you are taking this to say, listen, I want to always be walking in a state of forgiveness. I don't want to to be offended, cause offense. I don't want to ever forget that Jesus truly forgave me. So if that's you, your list is going to look a lot different than somebody who's really struggling with a forgiveness issue right now. And so in our first week, we also talked about the list of the enemy's fruit. And I put uh, the counterfeits that I have here. We have hate. Sadness, disorder, impatience, unkindness, immorality, disloyalty, abruptness, and rashness. And I also asked you to write down some words about that. I mean, what, is, what does that look like for you? Are, you? are you hating somebody in particular? Are you sad about something that has happened? Do you feel like your life is in just a perpetual state of disorder? Um, are you making some immoral choices? Are you um, acting abruptly towards somebody uh, because of some ongoing conflict? Are you speaking rashly to somebody? Are you acting rashly in a, in a situation because you've been hurt or you don't want to see somebody else hurt? Um, so I asked you to, you know, to be honest and write those words down. Only God sees them and God sees your heart. So what are those words? Now, what I, wanted, what I want you to do is I want you to write the words down as of today, week 10. Write those, look at that list again, and I want you to write down some notations next to those. And as you do that, what I want you to do is to go back and compare week one, all the way back in week one. Look at your list, put them side by side if you need to, make a photocopy, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but look back at that and just look at those lists. And what if anything looks different on your Fruit of the Spirit list? Has there been any shift? Has there been any move? Now look at the counterfeit that the enemy tries to trap you in. What if anything looks different on that list? And look at those lists and see what has changed. Has it been your attitude? Has it been a relationship that's been restored? Has it been your outlook? Has it been your understanding? Your response, perhaps? Um, 
And what has stood out to you most in the study about your state of forgiveness and her forgiveness? I know some people have said uh, they, when they took the study, they thought it was because they were having an issue of unforgiveness with a particular person, and it turns out they were having uh, issues with some people or situation that they wasn't even on their radar. Um, maybe it was the questions that were brought up um, as the Holy Spirit was convicting them and just speaking to them and, and teaching them through his word. Um, they had some other things come up that they weren't quite expecting, but that has given them freedom that they didn't know before. And they didn't know that that's what was holding them back. And, and uh, so it's going to look different for each and every person. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that as we go forward, that you now know what forgiveness looks like as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit. And you also know what unforgiveness looks like as it relates to the counterfeit of the fruit of the Spirit. And my prayer for you is that you would always dwell in the things of the fruit of the Spirit, that as God prunes away those things which are not bearing fruit so that good fruit may come forward, according to John 15, that your fruitfulness is always a result of your forgiveness um, in its entirety, forgiveness. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight, as we close, says, A man without self-control is like a city broken in two and left without walls. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have to be people who act in a spirit-controlled, light-bearing manner. We need to fortify the walls of our hearts and clean out whatever does not need to be there any longer. If it is forgiveness you need to extend, do it today. If it is forgiveness you need to receive, seek it in prayer. Jesus can forgive you, and he can also be the one who moves the heart of someone who has sinned against you. That person may never come to you and say, please forgive me, but that's all right. Move forward and release that person through prayer. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus, who is the one who extends forgiveness. So I'm hoping that we be a people, a city, not in ruins, but one who is fortified with strong walls. Our strong walls come from our strength and the Holy Spirit residing within us. He gives us the ability to be strong on the inside so that we can be effective on the outside. But we have to yield to that control. We have to yield to be a people who want to live fully under the power and the authority of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That will change the way you live and the way you look at things, your relationships with others. So I hope you've enjoyed this study. I know for some of you, it's been probably quite difficult. Um, for others, there may still be things even at week 10 that you're still struggling with. And, and I just would hope that, um, I think as I mentioned way back in week one, I'm not a licensed counselor or a psychologist, anything. But if you still need to talk to somebody, please make sure that you are talking to somebody, whether that be a, a Christian counselor or a pastor or a mentor, uh, whoever that might be. Um, just because you're done with week 10 doesn't mean that everything's worked out. Some of you might have been, you know, working out your issues in week four. Some of you might have been week seven. Some of you may still need um, more help with that. And that's okay to admit that. What we don't ever want to do is to keep the things that are hurting us in the dark. Because God lives in the light. 
and he wants those hurts to be brought to the light so that he can heal them. Um, and he will use others, and he'll use his word, um, and you can definitely do it. I know you can. So thank you so much for joining me for my first podcast. Uh, thank you so much for participating with me with my first Bible study. I'm so excited that uh, God has given me the ability to write and to communicate, uh, to use my gifts and talents in that way to serve the kingdom. And I do have a, a new devotional that will be coming out uh, mid-November of 2015 called Sit at His Feet, Choose What is Better, 46 Days with Jesus. And I would hope that you would uh, get a copy of that and, and spend some time just reflecting on, on who Jesus is and, and what he asks of us and just to sit at his feet and choose him above all else. Um, in this world, it's so hard to choose other things and, and to kind of relegate him to uh, once a week, one hour a week, and, and sometimes even less than that. And, and God always needs to be our first priority, always. When we put him as first, um, all things come from that. But when we put him as second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, something else is above him and that is not in his order. So let me close this in prayer for one last time. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this study. God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, without it, we would be lost. We need your continual guidance and direction and instructions on how to participate in this thing called life. Lord, your word is for all time in all seasons. It doesn't matter if our world today looks so much different than it did back when the disciples were living, even in the Old Testament, Lord. We may have so many more things at our disposal, technology and cars and food in the grocery store, all of those things, Lord, but at the heart of it, people are the same. Father, we are sinners in need of a Savior. We're so grateful that you sent your son to forgive us, each one of us who make the decision to bow at your feet, humble ourselves, and say, Lord, we need you. Be my Savior. Father, I pray that every person will at some point recognize the weight of this forgiveness, not as a burden, but as a blessing. Lord, that you take our sins, our curse upon you, because you bear our burdens. Father, I pray that we as a people can walk truly forgiven, that we can be forgivers, or that we can forgive others who commit offenses against us, no matter how big or small. Lord, we are imperfect people, but you are a perfect and holy God. Lord, we know that one day we will get to heaven and there will be no need for forgiveness because we'll be in a place where we dwell with you forever won't be offending other people, Lord, that we will live in harmony. Let us do our best to live in this world in harmony and unity. And we only do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you showed us through your word what the Holy Spirit looks like, what attributes the Holy Spirit has, the gifts that the Holy Spirit affords us, each one of us. So, Lord, just thank you so much for every person who participated in this study. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that you would help them in their need, wherever that may be. Lord, and I help, hope that you would build them up and encourage them in the days ahead. I pray that you would fortify the walls around them as Satan comes to attack them for their desire to desire you more. Send ministering angels, send guardian angels to guard them and their families. Lord, from the evil one, likes nothing but to seek, kill, and destroy. 
Father, you are life, and we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.